Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, can citizenship applicants leave Ireland even for a day? Do you remember that time that drugs were legalised in Ireland for a day? The government had to scramble to make sure certain drugs, including ecstasy and magic mushrooms, were illegal. But not after we all had a bit of crack, metaphorically. Anyway, a ruling in the High Court was to blame or celebrate it, depending on your viewpoint. And they have just done it again. Well, something similar, the High Court that is. This one also came as a real surprise to everyone, lawyers, applicants, the media, even other judges and the Justice Department and the Minister for Justice. It was the journal's most read story of the day with over 300,000 people agog at the ruling that applicants for citizenship must spend every single day in a 12-month period in Ireland. That's no trips abroad, no work abroad, no crossing the border even. There was a general sense that this needed to be fixed and fixed quickly, as in the case of what happened with the drugs. But it's not quite what has happened here. I'm joined in studio now by Assistant Professor of Law at Trinity College Dublin, David Kenny, and the Journal.E's reporter Dominic McGrath, who's been doing a lot of work on this, um, to talk about why it has been treated differently to that drugs ruling and where we are now. Uh, Dominic, can you just bring us up to speed on a few quick fire questions for you? What exactly did the judge rule in this case? Yeah, so basically um, an Australian man, Roderick Jones, brought a case uh, challenging um, citizenship rules in Ireland. So put simply, um, in the year before your application, you have to be um, in Ireland continuously for a year, but you are allowed a six-week uh, absence. Now, uh, the applicant, uh, Mr. Jones, was saying six weeks actually is too little, it's too restrictive, too narrow. Um, and the judge did something quite unexpected. Instead of maybe agreeing with um, Sir Jones or simply rejecting his case, he instead said, actually, this six-week period that is um, sort of discretionary, it's not in law, it's not written down, it's a creation of the government or the uh, Minister for Justice, um, they said that six-week period is actually not in Minister's power to grant. And what that means, quite simply, is that now, um, according to this judgment, this ruling, people can't actually leave for even a day. That continuous residence means exactly that. You can't leave the country at all. That means crossing the border, um, whether to go shopping, to visit family, from you know the bus from Dublin to Donegal crosses the border. Any of that seems to be a violation under this ruling of continuous residency. So to bring it back a bit, who exactly does this impact? Who are the people who are applying for citizenship? So these people who have been in Ireland for a long period of time, they're not new to the country. Um, in some cases, they might have been here for you know, years and years, they might just be applying for citizenship now. Um, but it's people who have been here for at least you know, a decade, really. And there's thousands of people who could be affected by this. So in 2017, there were 8,000 people who were uh, conferred with Irish citizenship. 2018, over 10,000. There's a lot of people, I want you to consider how this judgment impacts people who might be considering applying and the process of applying. Um, and even in terms of just the legal community who are having to address this, it really impacts a lot of people. So uh, these are people who aren't new to Ireland. Uh, they've been here for many years, um, built up careers, livelihoods. They run businesses, um, have families, spouses who are Irish citizens. And they've been applying sort of, or thinking of applying for a long period of time. You can't just turn up on one day and say, I want to be an Irish citizen. Um, it's, you know, several years you've got to be a resident in the country before you can actually then apply. It's kind of that last final year where it becomes more strict and you've got that sort of idea of you can't leave the country over a certain period of time. So how many years do you have to be resident before you can apply for citizenship? So it's nine years in total. 
Um, but sort of the first eight eight years aren't incredibly strict. It's kind of adds up to more four year period. I think the specifics is 1,825 days. It's that final year when it becomes a lot more uh, strict and they say that that six-week period is all you're allowed to actually leave. Um, and So we hear a lot about people who are applying for passports, particularly around Brexit or like a football team if they have a granny who's Irish and they want to play like for the, the soccer team. So is this diff- are these cohort of people different to that cohort of people? Yeah, this work gets somewhat more complicated you can be a Irish passport holder. Um, of course, the old granny rule works, but you don't have to be a citizen, uh, resident sorry, in Ireland. Um, citizenship is slightly different. It's more tied up into um, people who have no real connection to the country and might have to fill these requirements. And that includes whether someone is an EU citizen or outside of the EU. So a slightly different kind of system. Dave, does this high court ruling mean that the law has changed? Yeah, it kind of does. So essentially what the judge was doing was interpreting this term in this Citizenship Act. Uh, But in doing so, uh, the judge has really changed our understanding of what that act means and what that act does. Uh, So before we understood that the minister could apply this sort of discretionary uh, six week period of absence because people travel, people have to go abroad for work and holidays and so on. And also the minister sort of said, maybe we could even extend that in exceptional circumstances as well. So it was just to give a bit of um, flexibility and you know humanity uh, to the regime. And that was something the judge noted that the minister was trying to help people out here. Uh, but essentially what the judge did in the high court was say that this term continuous residency has an incredibly strict meaning that uh, continuous. He looked the word up in the dictionary and he said that continuous has to mean unbroken or uninterrupted and sort of uh, as an aside commented, you know, made these comments about, you know, two nights in Belfast, you know, a holiday abroad. That all is an interruption. Right. And he specifically mentioned those examples in the judgment. Yes, sort of just discursively giving examples of things you might do and throughout those as ways you might interrupt your 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 residency. And so that seems, you know, extraordinarily strict. And he he really focused on this term uh, continuous and gave this what what we call in legal interpretation, the, the literal meaning of the word, the idea that you don't look at the broader context of the, the act and what it's trying to do. You don't look at the purpose of the act. Just what does the word mean? And sort of like a dictionary definition or just uh, everyone understands this word to have this meaning. Um, and I think that a lot of the criticism perhaps has come from the, the question of whether or not the judge should have been looking at this word continuous that narrowly, or if you should have been doing something else instead. How has this never come up before? How has no other judge said, hang on a second, there's no mention of six weeks in in the act? Yeah, so it, it seems like the kind of thing that's probably unlikely to come up in a court case, because for the most part, this was being used uh, as an interpretation of this term to help people, to help them get over this hurdle of residency um, to say, look, short absences shouldn't count. So if you were the beneficiary of the minister's um, discretion, you weren't going to go to court and say, well, hold on, are you allowed to do this under the Act? You'd say, thank you very much, minister, I'll take my citizenship and, and go. And so it's really only this this surprising situation of someone who was absent for longer than the minister was willing to tolerate under the discretion and taking this case saying, in fact, the minister should be even more 
liberal in his use of this discretion. Only that circumstance put it before a judge. And somewhat surprisingly, perhaps, Mr Justice Barrett decided to, to give this judgment, really restricting this down. So far from siding with the applicant, said, in fact, the, what the minister is doing is just impermissible. Arguably, he could have maybe avoided that conclusion or suggested that if another case raised that question, you'd, he'd have to have it argued out fully and maybe then you you might conclude it. I think it was a little surprising for it to arise in this context and for such a firm and sort of rigid interpretation to come out of this case. And that's probably why we hadn't seen it come up before. Dominic, the Department of Justice were really surprised by this ruling. And a lot of people were expecting, you know, maybe the doll to be recalled, something to happen immediately. Um, What did happen in the aftermath? Um, For want of a better word, um, nothing really happened. The department were as surprised as anyone else. As David said, no one saw this coming. In fairness to the department, they probably couldn't have seen it coming. And the biggest problem exactly is that the doll isn't there. Um, You can't just pass a piece of legislation very quickly and solve this. So the department has said, and they came out and said, you know, we're working on this, we're aware of it, we know it's a big problem and we're going to try and fix it. So there is talk of continuing to receive applications and process them. Um, The Irish Naturalisation and Immigration Service, um, they said that if you have a holiday, you you shouldn't necessarily cancel it. Um, We're still going to be trying to process things and keep, and trying, I guess, encouraging people not to panic unnecessarily. And even today, I think in the Dole, um, Catherine Martin submitted a question asking the minister how this is going to be solved. And he again was quite vague. He said there's going to be a process or a system put in place, but I'm sure David will talk about this a bit more, but it's kind of unclear how they can actually keep processing applications within sort of the remit of the new law. And even the forms as they stand only ask for a six-week absence. So the forms aren't actually meeting the new legal criteria. Um, But of course, the government also doesn't want to refuse any applications. That'll lead to judicial review cases, more and more people getting angry, concerned, and it sort of creates a vicious cycle in some ways. Yeah, Dave, not to be flippant or anything, but like, are the department acting outside the law then if they continue to process applications where people have stayed out of the country for longer than a day? Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's, it's probable that they won't make final decisions on those uh, applications until something happens. I mean, either a new law will be passed to try and set the situation around what we thought the law was before this case. So there will be maybe, you know, could could see when the Dáil uh, reconvenes after the recess, legislation being rushed through to allow that to happen. And then the decisions have been worked worked on in the meantime, but are only made when that new legislation is in place. And that would potentially, you know, fix the, the legal problem they now have. Uh, or we could maybe see a, an appeal go ahead in this case and we could, see Mr Justice Barrett's ruling in the High Court overturned by the Court of Appeal, in which case the department could go back to doing what it had been doing before. But it's probably okay, particularly when you have a a judgment like this that is controversial, could be subject to appeal, and where the government can probably get the legislature to change the law, you know, quite quickly if it wishes to. It's probably okay to keep operating on this basis with the expectation that by the time the decisions are being made, the law will have changed. But it is a it is a bit of a grey area and it puts them in a, in a difficult position because they probably can't legally make the final determination about citizenship with the information that they're getting. At so the there moment. probably will be some backlog of sorts, but just maybe to be rubber stamped. Just to go back to you mentioned there, the appeal that might happen. So uh, 
if an appeal happens and the judgment is overturned, is that the entire judgment? That's the decision about this Australian man and also everything within it. So the six week ruling not being the six week dis- discretion not being a thing. Yeah. So it, it would it would depend on, on the way that the Court of Appeal would decide to address it. But they would be looking at both this individual case and the, the refusal of the applicant's request in this case, which is for the minister to to give him a longer period of absence. That would be part of the appeal, as would this legal question of the interpretation of this uh, particular... Uh, Could there be a mixed opinion from the Court of Appeal that the, the the judgment was correct to continue to refuse the man, but that the judgment was also incorrect in saying that the minister didn't have six-week discretion? Yeah, that's, that's definitely possible. The Court of Appeal could decide that the applicant in this case shouldn't win, that he doesn't get extra time beyond the, the six weeks the minister is usually prepared to, to give, but also decide that Mr Justice Barrett was incorrect in his interpretation of uh, continuous residence, that perhaps uh, he focused too much on the continuous part and not enough on the residence part, that you don't necessarily lose your residence because you leave the country for a holiday or for a few days. That's definitely possible and it wouldn't necessarily mean that the applicant in this case will win. Dominic, there is an appeal ongoing or there is an appeal lodged. Yes, exactly. So there is an appeal. Um, It'll go to this Court of Appeal. There's some speculation um, the last week that it might actually leapfrog to the Supreme Court. Um, That has not happened. Uh, The Court of Appeal will hear it potentially um, in October, which is actually very, very soon and very quick for the Court of Appeal. Um, But if they don't hear it in October, October. If there aren't judges um, appointed in time, it'll actually not be until 2021 until a hearing is actually heard. Even if it was October, Dave, like 8th, 8th of October, as Dominic said, it is a quick uh, date to get a, a, mm. into the Court of Appeal. The doll is back on the 17th of September. So would there be any likelihood that they would actually just try and legislate more quickly than that. Yeah, that's quite possible. And uh, if they do that, it kind of renders the question going to the Court of Appeal a little bit moot insofar as it's no longer a question then that has really live legal implications. But that's perfectly fine. The Oireachtas is is entitled to pass that law if it wants to, even before the court rules, in which case the appeal might only be relevant for Mr Jones, the applicant in this case. The broader legal question could be solved before then. And what what would that legislation look like? It could be a fairly simple amendment to this um, uh, 1956 Act that, that we were talking about that was interpreted in this case, which basically just explicitly puts in a discretion for the minister to set a certain period of time. It could be six weeks. People have discussed extending that in the aftermath of this judgment. Is six weeks too short now that we can all get halfway around the world in, in no time? Um, should we consider extending that? So it would probably be a fairly simple piece of legislation, either recreating what we had before or potentially being more generous to people, acknowledging that, you know, in the world now, people can spend a lot of time away from Ireland and still really be resident here. Yeah, because Mr. Jones, do you have how long he was actually out of the country for? In fairness to Mr. Jones, he was out of the country for quite a long period of time, um, out of the state for 100 days. And it actually wasn't even for work. Um, He was on holiday for 97 days and then three days for work. He's an academic, so lucky academics have long summers, um, David. Um, Certainly do. Which we're not arguing (laughs) at all, David. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yes, so it kind of might end up 
unfortunately that even if the decision is overturned, Mr. Jones might still end up losing it because that is you know, a significant period of time that the Dáil might not want to legislate for, judges might not want to recognise. Dave, we've had the drugs thing, um, we've had this case now, there was another FOI um, case that the Dáil went to, inverted commas, fix straight away. Is there anything else on our uh, law books that you'd be looking at going, hmm, I'd like a contrarian judge to get their hands on that? Oh yeah, there's loads. Uh, <laughs> a lot of offences in the Public Order Act are really questionable as to their constitutionality. There's um, TV license inspectors have a power to enter your house and search for a television without a warrant. That's they don't use it, I don't think, but that's crazy, right? So if any of these provisions come before a judge, again, you'll find lots of parts of our statute book might might be subject to a surprise judicial ruling. But the ones we always worry about are the ones we, we don't see coming. The, the, there's a provision that we all think is fine, often really central to the criminal law, like the, the drugs provision in the Betterev case you mentioned from, from 2015. Um, when something like that is struck down and sort of you know disappears overnight, you're often left with a, a big a big hole in the in the law. And it's something that our courts have been looking at in the last few years: is could they find a way to still find those problematic laws? you know, unconstitutional or or invalid or, or whatever they needed to do, but not necessarily create those immediate disastrous consequences. Can they sort of strike a balance which gives the legislature some time to respond? So it's something even our courts are kind of looking at and thinking, you know, this is a, a problem we might have to do something about. We obviously saw a lot of people going through this process who were incredibly worried. And I think that's why we had so many people reading it on site. And obviously it blew up on Twitter as well. Um, but then there was some mention of people who had actually been granted citizenship and were worried that it wouldn't be valid anymore because they had spent six weeks um, outside the country during their process. Did they need to worry? In short, I don't think so. Uh, really, if you've already had your application processed and you've been granted citizenship, it's very hard to undo that, right? The, the the act that we're talking about is fairly clear that once the decision is made, unless there's specific reasons to revoke it, which are listed in the act and wouldn't include something like this, then that decision is final and will stand. And generally speaking, when something like this happens, when a judicial ruling might, let's say, find a, a law unconstitutional or change the meaning of a law in some way, um, we typically don't try and unstitch everything that's been done under the law, particularly when those things were for the benefit of citizens, right? So it's, it's very unlikely that anyone who has been given their citizenship needs to worry about that. Final word, Dominic, for people who are looking to apply or maybe have applied for citizenship, the advice to them is? It's difficult. Um, that's what the government's saying. Um, you can't really disagree. But it all is quite uncertain until we have a ruling or legislation. Great. Thank you so much, guys, for coming into The Explainer. Thank you for listening to The Explainer. This episode was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan, producer Aoife Barry, and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. Thanks to David Kenny and Dominic McGrath for being our contributors today. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and we'll be back next week with a brand new topic. In the meantime, check out some of our other episodes. Last time, we discovered why people were fuming over Lizzo tickets in Dublin. There's also an episode on what Ireland should do with people returning from ISIS in the wake of the Lisa Smith case, and another on insurance costs to figure out why events like Oktoberfest are being cancelled. If you're enjoying the episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, and catch you next time. Thank you.